Uh, and I put myself in the position of kids and the way kids perceive dinosaurs. And for them, they're very simple. So I thought about teeth, eyes, and when the interruptor is in the dark, you, you only see the teeth and the eyes. And I feel that feels very simple and very iconic. I'm Sean Fennessy, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, and this is The Big Picture, a conversation show with some of the most interesting filmmakers in the world. Let's cut to the quick. We still love dinosaurs. Did you know that 2015's Jurassic World is the fifth highest grossing movie in the history of the world? The appeal of dinosaurs is forever. Naturally, we were going to get a sequel. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is the follow-up to Colin Trevorrow's revival of the series and the fifth installment in the franchise that Steven Spielberg launched way back in 1993. Today's guest, the Spanish filmmaker J.A. Bayona, takes the reins on Fallen World. Bayona makes spooky movies, like The Orphanage and When a Monster Calls, and so his dinosaur epic is a little like a haunted house movie. I talked with Bayona about the endless appeal of the Jurassic movies, creating yet another terrifying new dinosaur, and what it's like to dive into the franchise game. Here's J.A. Bayona. Very happy to be joined today by J.A. Bayona. J.A., thanks for coming in. Of course. J.A., I, I read a story that you were offered Jurassic World originally by Frank Marshall and that you weren't able to do it. Is that true? Well, yeah, I was offered by by Frank, uh, but at the time they didn't have a script mm-hmm. and we, ha- we had to get into production in six months. So I, for me, it was like a way of getting into the... Hollywood world in a way that I didn't feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Had and you I, been? Is that something that you had been hoping for and plotting for? Yeah, for a while? I mean, yeah, I've been I, I've been doing movies in Europe, and I I I wanted to try what was to do a movie in Hollywood, like a big Hollywood movie. I really wanted to try one of these films that I love when I that I used to watch when I was a kid, and I love, and I, I normally I I watch them all, and I and I enjoy them, so I really want to try one. But Frank offered me the script, and not offered me the project. There was no script. We had to get into production in six months. It was pretty tight to me, and I told Frank, and, and I told Steven, like, there was nothing else that I was more interested in working with them, but I, I thought I wasn't the right guy to work like that. At the end, they delayed the project. They 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 hired Colin and they delayed the production. You know, so but but anyway, I I think it it was okay. It, it was right. And when the uh, when Jurassic World opened, they they offered me the sequel, and in that moment, I was free. So it was great. Interesting. So what happens there? Do you are you able to say I would really like to do the sequel? So keep me in mind. You know, and I have some ideas for things that we could do here. No, they they knew how much I I, I love what they do, and and they also. So really like my movie. So I said, listen, I really want to work with you one day, but I think this is not the right timing. And they understood and they really appreciate that I was so honest about it. And the moment came with the sequel for Jurassic World. And I thought that uh, it was a very exciting project to be involved with. And I, I, I did it. How, how does that work? Do you have to go in and you know provide sort of your pitch, your approach to the kinds of stories do you want to tell? Or are you sort of locked into this franchise machine mm-hmm. that is that is, has this certain demands well it's a, it's a very different project yeah from from the movies i've done before mm-hmm. uh, it's it's massive it's very big it has all these 
um, fans all over the world, uh, the, the expectation is um, overwhelming, you know. Uh, and in that sense, what you do is you put yourself at the at the, at the service of the legacy, at the service of the Jurassic story. I, I felt that I was um, surrounded by the right people. It was Colin who wrote the f- and who directed the first movie and who wrote this one. It was Steven, it was Frank. So, so I, I, in that sense, I, it's like a, these kind of movies are like a filmmaker's collaboration. You know, it's like a team effort between people who's been in charge of the, of the other movies and yourself. Does, does the legacy scare you at all? Is there anything intimidating about that? It's not as scary. It's, I think it's challenging to find an angle. But somehow Colin uh, told me a story that uh, somehow was taking the, the, the dinosaurs out of the island in, and making it more like a global problem now. And I felt that was very interesting somehow how now uh, the whole dinosaur situation takes place all over the world. And the whole world is talking about it. After three years of the disaster, uh, everyone is talking about it. And I, I thought that was very interesting. And also the way the story finishes, opening the gate to a, a place uh, we've never seen before, I thought w- was very exciting. There is something uniquely in sync with your films too, though, here. There's almost like a haunted house quality to a lot mm-hmm. of the story. You know, I, I, it just felt very much like it was coming from your mind and from your vision specifically. Are, is that something you and Colin are able to work on together and say, we, how can we make this more like a J.A. Bayona movie? Well, if you think about Jurassic and in general uh, Steven Spielberg movies, uh, there's an, an aspect of fun and an entertainment, you know. And at the same time, uh, he talks about important subject matters. He really talks about something. Uh, you can tell that uh, in Jurassic, not only from the movies, but also from the original book, that you can tell that uh, – Michael Crichton is making uh, a big adventure, but at the same time, he's talking about interesting subject matters. So you have uh, two levels in that sense. You work uh, the fun, the set pieces, the moments of suspense, the moments of action. At the same time, you try to to say something. Um, that second half for me was uh, uh, was very exciting because having the chance of creating moments of suspense inside a gothic mansion with dinosaurs, it felt like a lot of fun to me. It felt like that was the kind of thing that I, I wanted to see from a dinosaur movie. But at the same time, we're telling a story. We're telling a story that it's not about dinosaurs anymore. It's about us in a very straightforward way. And I thought that was also very interesting. How do you design those sequences? Because there's a few that are really clever and that we haven't seen before in a movie like this. So what goes into making a sequence? We've seen the one in the trailer for in particular where, you know, Chris Pratt's character has to leap through without being bitten by a dinosaur while in a sort of a tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. What, what, how, what goes into making those sequences? Well, first of all, is to decide what is the, the emotion that you want to communicate with the scene. Uh, there's, for example, one scene that you can see uh, the characters inside a gyrosphere that sinks into the ocean. And for me, that moment was a moment of anguish and claustrophobia. So from that moment on, you decide what is the what is the camera going to do in order to communicate that claustrophobia. And it felt that the right thing to do was to, do a, to tell the story of that scene, to tell the scene in only one take. It's, it, it was very challenging technically because we had to we had to shot the the whole shot in three in three shots that we had to merge uh, in a with in three the, different cameras. No, no, it was like three shot three. It was like three shots, um, three takes, mm-hmm. and we merged 
They often fit together. They, exactly. To, we merge to, so, so you don't see the cut in between the shots. So it's a long shot made of three, of three, short, of three shorts, you know? Interesting. So what is Steven's role in, in these movies? You know, are you talking to him at length? What advice does he give you before you embark on He's something like this? He's supervising the whole thing mm-hmm. from above. He takes care of uh, everything. He's all the time and there to talk about the big decisions so when when we when we talk about the cast you suggest the actors and he will he will give you your opinion but he will never was pushing he was always uh, giving a lot of freedom to to us um and that at the same time i was looking for his advice so from time to time during the pre production uh, i had conversations with him where i show him the shots and 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 the and the, um, the set pieces, the animatics that we designed for the for the scenes, and he will give me his opinion. Interesting. So, do you guys watch films before this and say these are some reference points that I want to talk about? These are some things that are uh, you know resonant in my mind that I want to communicate in this movie. Yeah, I I saw again all the Jurassic movies, mm-hmm. of course, and then I saw again Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, and then, uh, you know, for example, one of the things that I watch again were uh, Buster Keaton movies because when you think about the, the kind of comedy that uh, Spielberg does in in Jurassic or 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 uh, Indiana Jones, you can tell that there's the influence of the old classics. You know, the, it's very uh, visual. The, yeah, yeah, it's very visual. And uh, and I and 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 I wanted to be also invested in that kind of world. So I, I remember that as a weird reference. I watched that. I watched, again, also um, the original King Kong, for example. Interesting. Um, I love that movie. It's I, just that to, to sort of measure scope when something is so big against something that is so small? You know, you try you try to be in the same world. You know, you try to... I, I, for example, there's a moment that we introduce a character, a new dinosaur, and it, it's a, it reminds me the way we present that dinosaur. It has this kind of like... Uh, King Kong element, you Definitely. Know? Um, what goes into making a, a new dinosaur? <laughs> That's it's, a kind of a strange idea to be trying to invent yeah, one. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, it's very exciting. Colin came with this idea of creating the Indoraptor, which is a combination of the Indominus Rex and the Velociraptor. And it was interesting, you know. Uh, normally, you want the dinosaurs. In this kind of movies, you want the dinosaurs. You want the, the biggest dinosaur. But you can, and you have the T-Rex. But you cannot make the T-Rex the, the start of the show. I mean, you need to move forward. Mm-hmm. And they created the Indominus Rex in the previous one. And in this case, we had a smaller dinosaur. You need to find uh, elements uh, and details uh, and um, kind of like a personality for that dinosaur that makes makes him as scary as the Indominus, not being that ominous physically. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting. The way I, I, I approached to the dinosaur, of course, was combining uh, the... Uh, the Indominus with the Velociraptors, so it's like a, physically it's like a blend of the, these two dinosaurs. But at the same time, it's very interesting how um, it's very iconic. I tried to to do a dinosaur that was very iconic, so it's a, like a, basically like a black shape where you can very easily um, see the eyes and the teeth. Uh, and I put myself in the position of kids and the way kids perceive dinosaurs, and for them they're very they're very simple. So I thought about uh, teeth eyes, the long arms that, that are kind of like human arms. So it was like a like a way of making it like very simple, very effective. I really like the 
that you have the interruptor most of the time in the dark. So, and when the interruptor is in the dark, you, you only see the teeth and the eyes. And I feel that feels very simple and very iconic. What keeps drawing you back to stories about things that scare us and terrify us and creatures? And what, what is it about that that, that is, makes your work go? Well, I mean, we all love to be scared by dinosaurs. When I when I think about the first Jurassic Park, my, my favorite scenes were the moments of tension when you see the T-Rex for the first time or when you have the kids being chased by velociraptors in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, when I was a kid, uh, when, when I was a teenager, but I remember watching movies of horror when I was a kid and the impression that they create on me are probably the reason why I became a filmmaker. So I, I really like to go that. And I, I also... I really like the idea of the monster, you know. It's a very interesting idea in, in, in movies and in literature. This idea that the monster is go there, comes to your life to somehow fix it. I mean, for me, the monster is the solution. I did a movie called A Monster Cult where you have a monster that is there to help the kid in order to process the death of his mother. His mother is dying. And in this movie, again, if you think about the T-Rex, uh, uh, the T-Rex is the result of the things uh, that we did wrong in the past. It's the, the result of the red lines that we cross. And in that sense, the dinosaur that is like a dream for us and it becomes a nightmare. And I really like that idea that somehow the, 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 at the end who creates the, 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 is the, more, the monster is more the person who creates the monster than the monster itself. That's fascinating. Um, what, is it really challenging to be working with this much green screen and this much... You know, computer generated animation. Not much green screen. That was Mm -hmm. one of for me. It was a very glad surprise that we didn't shoot with mm, Jurassic. The Jurassic universe is grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. You know, you take a look at the books from Michael Crichton. The 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 ideas of of creating dinosaurs were uh, taken from real scientific theories. So in that sense, uh, the story needs to feel like it's happening in our world. It's not like you're doing a superhero movie and you need to set up scenes that are taken place that take place in a in, in in a different planet. You know, this is our world. And in that sense we shot in real locations. We shot in, in real sound stages and we mo- and, and we shot a lot with animatronics, you know, with uh, with real dinosaurs on set. That's interesting. What is that experience like? Had you worked with an- animatronics in that way before? I did in a monster cult. I had a I had to replicate this giant tree monster, mm-hmm. and we we did uh, the um, the monster. We did it with uh, CGI and animatronics. And it, the most tricky thing with um, CGI is uh, the interaction of the actors with the character. You know that you are doing with CGI. So I I knew that all the moments that the actors were touching the dinosaurs, I I wanted to have something real. And also for the actors, it's very helpful to have something real in front of them. So we push for uh, as many animatronics as we could. Uh, The truth is that Colin, the the way he wrote the story, there was a lot of space for that because there are a lot of scenes where the dinosaurs are sleeping or tranquilized. And those uh, situations are perfect in order to use animatronics because they don't deal with big movements that sometimes are very complicated to recreate with uh, animatronics. That's really interesting. So now that you've made a big Hollywood movie, what is your feeling about, what, what, what were your preconceptions and what was different from what you actually ended up getting? I, I feel very fortunate because in, in this big Hollywood movie, the, the, 
you the there is only one voice which which is Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg supports the director supports the filmmakers he was there supporting all the time uh, not only me but Colin and and Frank Marshall who's a producer and who's another director and there's no better producer than another director because he knows what you're going through so in that sense I I, I didn't I didn't need to deal with lots of notes from the studio you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I basically, when I had a problem, I, I go to Steven and I talk to him and I always feel uh, his support. Do you feel spoiled by this experience then if you try to make another film of this scope? No, no, no. And I, I want to do it again for sure. No, yeah. I don't feel spoiled. I think every movie is a learning experience. I, I mean, of course, when you do a movie like this one, there are commitments because it's so massive, so big, and everyone has so many expectations mm-hmm. that you basically try to adapt yourself to to the story, to the to what people is uh, looking for in, in this kind of movie. And it, it, it felt good. It felt good. I, I, I definitely would do it again. Do you feel a desire to do something that is an original story now that you can explore and not be bound by some of that legacy that we talked about? I think, you know, I, I love to see blockbusters and I, and I go to see all of them. But I think uh, I also like to see original movies. I'm so glad that, for example, Steven shot last year Ready Player One and The Post. You know, that's the kind of cinema I like to, I, I want to do. You know, I, I like to do big fantasy movies, original movies like Ready Player One. And at the same time, it's a movie that talks about the world we live in. And at the same time, you can, you can do smaller movies. Uh, that are uh, very meaningful and and that are designed to create an impact on the audience and make them thought about the moment we live in. How do you figure out what to do next now? You know, I was developing projects before Jurassic, so mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm keeping my, I'm keeping that work. I'm doing that work, so I, I still don't know what's going to be next. I, I I probably would like to go back to Europe and do a movie there. I was going to ask you, will you, would you see yourself going back to Spain to do a film? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I feel, I mean, I live there. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel very comfortable, you know. It's like we're talking about Steven and he goes from Ready Player One to The Post, you know. For me, that's like more or less the same way. But if I do The Post, instead of doing it in a studio, probably I, I, it will be easier to me to finance myself and do it in Europe. Right. Some people know about your association with Guillermo del Toro over the mm-hmm. years. Do you also, like, show him this film and talk to him? Obviously, he has a great creature mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, Guillermo, he's been a, a friend, a mentor from my very first movie. He's always there. When I need him, I call him and I, I we talk about it. Everything that I'm going through, he's been there before. So it's uh, it's always uh, great to have the chance of talking to him and, and have his advice. Could you see yourself doing another Jurassic film? Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 I. I be, uh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I really enjoy working with uh, with all the people involved in in, in Jurassic, uh, and I really enjoy um, working with these actors with Chris and Bryce. It was a great experience. Uh, I don't know what what's, where the Jurassic universe is heading to right now. Colin is making the third movie, and I think it's very exciting. Uh, the the fact that he's coming back to do the the, the third episode and finish the trilogy that he started. Uh, but I, I don't know what's going to be next, but I, I, I mean, I would consider, why not? You opened the doors for him uh, very effectively at the end of your film. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That, uh, was, that was the goal, you know. Uh, Jay, I end every episode by asking filmmakers, what's the last great thing that they've seen? So you say you see everything. What is the last great thing that you have seen? It, uh, like a movie? Yeah. I saw, two days ago, I saw Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had um, Ari Aster, the filmmaker, on here oh, a couple really? weeks ago. Yeah, what oh, did you think about her? It's very interesting. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Very, yeah. very... It's, it's one of those movies that are kind of like fascinating and uncomfortable mm-hmm. at the same time. It's a movie that... Uh, it reminds me the you know the, the, the a lot uh, the cinema of David Lynch mm-hmm, very much in a very good way. 
because it had, because it felt very personal at the same time. Yeah, some of the even some of the mood does has a little bit of the orphanage in it. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure if I totally saw uh-huh. put that together, but there's something kind of quiet and lurking about that. I too. thought it was a very interesting uh, exercise in terms of the POV. You know, mm-hmm. from the very first shot when you see that window, which and also a window is always a very meaningful image you know and that window turns into this kind of dollhouse and movie takes place from that shot you know that what you're watching is definitely a a very special vision on a story very cool jay thank you very much for doing this thank you so much Thanks again for listening to today's show. If you want more Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, please check out TheRinger.com, where we've got a bevy of folks writing about it, including Claire McNear, Miles Surrey, and the homie Shea Serrano. And tune in next week. We'll have another episode with Stefano Solima. He's the director of Sicario Day of the Soldado. So tune in. 